It is Sunday, and you have picked an awesome destination, and there's no place I'd rather be. We are going to be resuming a sermon series. A new message that we started last week was Easter. Somebody give Jesus some praise because we celebrated that our God is not dead and he is fully alive. Amen. So let's get that title of our message for us today, please. The title of our message, our sermon series that we started last week is Out of the Grave. Y'all say that with me. Out of of the grave. We said last week, I'm coming out. Amen. Let's say that again. I'm coming out. Is anybody coming out of some dead spaces, dead things? God is calling us out because last week as we celebrated that our God is not dead, he's not dead because of real resurrection power. And that resurrection power, the same resurrection power of the Holy Spirit is alive and well here. God wants that same resurrection power to motivate us, to move us, to inspire us, to come out. He wants you to have everlasting eternal life for your soul when your mortal body dies one day. But as you're here today, and most of us look like we're alive. I know some of y'all look kind of sleepy. But uh, you're alive for the most part. He, he wants you to fully be engaged and fully blessed by the Spirit of God. He wants to revive your whole life. Did you know that? He wants to revive your spirit man, your spirit woman. He, want, he wants to revive you emotionally. Some of us are emotionally dead and depressed. He, want, he wants to revive your relationships. You have some bad, dead, unhealthy relationships that he wants to speak life over. But the thing is, you and I have to have enough guts. We have to have enough faith to come out. We have to trust God and, and that he is who he is and that he came to, to finish and complete what he said he would come to finish and complete. Then we have to trust that he wants the good things for my life. And that same resurrection power is available to each and every single person. And without Christ, without that resurrection power of the Holy Spirit, guys, you and me, we're walking dead. Dead man, walking. Dead woman, walking. I may be alive, but I'm barely hanging on. I don't have real joy. I don't have real peace. I might say that I do, but I lie. I lie to myself. I lie to others. And more importantly, I lie to God. Because I'm spiritually hiding. I'm spiritually ignoring the issues, the real issues that are killing, stealing, and destroying me and that are holding me. Did you know that the grave has a grip and it don't want to let go? Dead things will hold you and keep you because that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to keep you bound. He wants to keep you spiritually dead. If the grave has a grip, you better know Jesus has the final say. And he spoke on that first Easter Sunday when that tomb was empty. Can I get an Amen. And now we are no longer judged according to the law, which was meant for our good, but which we couldn't fulfill. That's why Jesus came. And now we're, we're, we're blessed based on a better covenant, the covenant of grace and mercy that Jesus paved the way for. Can I get an amen? Right? And so that's what we talked about as we kicked this off last week. And I'm excited to dive deeper for us, or deeper together for us today. And so let's read the Easter story again for today. It's our foundational scripture. We read it last week. I want to read it again. So if you brought your Bibles, turn to Luke uh, today, Luke chapter 24. We're going to read verses 1 through 9 as we get ready to, to kick off here. And so 
Look at verse 1. It says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And as it happened, they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid, they bowed their faces to the earth, and they said to them, the angels, Why do you seek for the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Y'all say this with me. He is alive. Amen. Put that in the chat today if you're joining us. He is alive. And because he lives, you and I can have life. Did you know that? Let's pick up there. It says, remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. And be crucified, and on the third day, rise again. And then they remembered what he said. They remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the other eleven and the rest. When they came and saw the tomb was empty, they were probably astonished. They were probably confused. Praise God for a Holy Spirit moment. But then they remembered, you know what? Jesus is who he says he was. Amen. He came to complete what he came to complete. And upon that revelation, upon that truth, they went and told every single person that would listen. And over 2,000 years since Jesus rose again, we are still preaching and teaching that resurrection life is available to anyone who will come see and experience, right? Because Jesus came out, he came out of the grave, you and I can come out. You and I can come out because Jesus came out, right? Because Jesus came out, there's a promise that on the cross, before he was resurrected, that Jesus, he, he, he purchased our freedom from death, hell, and the grave, from sin, Satan, and shame, and sorrow, and our shortcomings. On the cross, Jesus purchased that freedom. He, he, he took on our sin so that you and I by faith could be free, could be set free. And then on the third day, he rose again to prove that we can trust him. Can you trust him today? Can you trust him with your whole life? I feel like a lot of times we, we're comfortable with giving him little segments at a time, right? Okay, God, I, I'm really struggling in this area. I need your help in this area. So I'm going to trust you with this. He fixes it, and then what do we do? Try and take it back, right? Then there's other areas where I, I don't feel comfortable with letting him come in. He already knows all about it, but I feel like I can like, keep it hidden from him. And, and I'm not comfortable yet. I, I don't want to hear what God has to say about that thing because I'm probably not going to like the answer. And so God, he purchased your freedom to be able to trust him with everything. Y'all say it with me, everything. What could happen if we could trust him with everything? On that cross, he purchased our freedom from sin, Satan, and shame. I want to look at that first point for today. There is a literal grave, a grave that you and I will all one day be buried in. There's a real, physical, tangible grave that all of our mortal bodies will go to. But before that happens, there are all sorts of 
I want to call them graves, air quotes, that we partake in, that we live in. And one of the biggest graves that God wants to set us free from today, and one of the biggest graves God wants you to come out of today is the grave of shame. Shame is an itty-bitty word, but man, does it kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus purchased your freedom so you can be set free from the shame that you experience. From the shame that has a grip on you. The shame that says, I can't trust people. I can't trust God. As long as you allow shame to have his arms enveloped over your life, until you by faith can allow Jesus to talk you out of it, you'll stay put and you'll stay dead. Jesus wants you to come out today. Look at that point today as we read it, if you got your outline. So Jesus calls us out of the grave of shame. Sin brings shame. And shame makes us self-conscious. I want to talk about that for a moment today. Righteousness makes us God-conscious. Shame is brought by sin. With sin comes shame. You're going to see here as we read, open God's Word and read it together that shame actually entered the world as soon as sin entered the world. And as soon as sin and shame came into the world, we really became, as a people, as a creation, self-aware, self-conscious. Now, if there's anything positive about shame, I would say that it does make us self-aware, self-conscious of when I do fall short, right? It does reveal that, you know what, I missed the mark. Is that a positive thing? Yes. It reminds us that we all need Jesus. See, but anything good, the enemy always perverts. And so the shame that happened as soon as sin entered the world was, was meant to convict us of our sin. But what the enemy does is he don't just convict you, he condemns you. And he says, I can't believe that you did that. You go to church on Sunday morning and you're living like this, you're doing this. And I'm self-aware of what I'm doing, but what happens is I'm so self-aware that I hide. I hide from everyone, everything, and I, I certainly hide from who? And guess who your only source of healing is? Do you see why the enemy wants you to feel that way? Because as long, if you break out of that guilt of shame and run to him, you might get healed. The enemy don't want you healed. But we got to get real and we got to get honest with God. The shame that's meant to convict us, see, that, that conviction is supposed to draw us out of hiding, draw us out of the grave, and the enemy uses it to keep us because the grave has a grip. It drives us, shame drives us into hiding. I want to show you something in Scripture. Let's read Genesis 2, verse 25 first. We find Adam and Eve. Look what it says. It says, Now the man and his wife were both naked. No clothes. Think if the world was just walking around naked all the time. But they felt no shame. 
Let me stop there for a moment. Sin had not entered the world yet. They weren't fully self-conscious because all they were was God-conscious. They weren't so involved with their own lives. They were all they thought about. Some of you, you are all you think about. And if you are all you think about, you'll stay dead. And you'll stay stuck. What could happen if we could not be so self-conscious, but be God-conscious? Right? Let's skip to chapter 3. Look at verse 7 and 8. They just ate of the fruit. It says, at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame. What happened? They chose their path over God's path. And in a moment, they became self-aware of what? Their nakedness. The thing they, they weren't shameful for b- before, now they experience shame and guilt, conviction. But they've never felt that before, so watch what they do. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And when the cool morning breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, something they got to do every day, something they enjoyed, the presence of God. When you don't have any shame, guess what you get to do? Enjoy the presence of God. But because of their sin and because of their actions, they, what is that word? They hid. It says that they hid from the Lord God among the trees. The enemy, they're accountable for their actions. As soon as they acted against God, the enemy came in. And now, the relationship that they enjoyed begins to suffer. The relationship, the most important relationship given to man is relationship with God through his son. And because of our sin and because of our shame, if you have those things in your life, you can get set free from them today, I promise you. But as long as you have those doors closed, your relationship is going to suffer. Your relationship with God will suffer and it will trickle down into all your other relationships because you're living a double life. You hide behind masks. You hide behind false security blankets. And the whole time, God says, come out. Come out and trust me. And I can care for you and I can help you. All we have to do is confess it. When you confess it, its grip has no hold. But you gotta confess it and you gotta stop acting like you're hiding it and you gotta gotta stop hiding it from others. And the thing's real, so go ahead and, and acknowledge that it's real and give it to a real God. It's really killing you. It's really destroying you. So give that real thing to God and say, help me. (laughs) That's my my biggest, boldest prayer that I pray every day. God, help me. And he does. He doesn't just help me because I'm one of his favorites or because I'm fancy, because I'm 
have a, have a church or because I'm a pastor. No, he helps me because he loves me and he loves you too. That same love and forgiveness is available to you. Look at that next point. It's unpackaged. Just look what it says. Shame creates a false humility. It causes us to cover ourselves with self-effort to hide from God. Shame automatically disqualifies us from a genuine relationship with God and people because it causes us to hide behind a mask. As we just read the story in Genesis, as, as they ate of the fruit, they suddenly realized that they were naked and they felt shame. What did they try to do? They tried to fix the problem themselves. They tried to cover the shame. They tried to cover the issue. The, the, we try to cover the hurts and the, and the guilt and the, 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 the scary things that we hide from people. We try to, we try to push it down and, and to cover it and to fix it ourselves. And the only way it can be fixed is if you give it to God and trust that God can fix it. And I promise you God can fix it. I'm going to show you something in Scripture that God does for Adam and Eve. He fixes it. He fixes it in love. And he fixes it in a better way. The only way. Jesus said in John 14, 6, right, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, he says. No one experiences freedom except through me, he says. Nobody experiences love, except not real love, except through Jesus. So sh- shame, it does show us when we, when we fall short, when, when we fail. Right? And the enemy perverts that. And so if the enemy is using that against me, guess what we need? We need some breakthrough. If you have areas in your life you can get real breakthrough, and that's what, that's what God wants for you. That's what Jesus wants for you. That's what the Holy Spirit wants for you. That's what your spouse wants for you. That's what your kids want for you. Because when, when, when the enemy's having his way in my life, I think I can hide it. But guess what? The people you love and care about the most, they see it. And they experience it. And you're on edge all the time because you're fighting this battle. But other people can see the ramifications of the spiritual sickness, spiritual sickness always manifests. It, it, sin is never full. It, 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 the Bible says it's enjoyable for a season. Somebody say season. Uh, until it moves into every crack and crevice, recess. It, it moves into everything, and it doesn't want to just kill, steal, destroy you. It wants to kill and destroy everyone, everything that's connected to you. So we need breakthrough from that. Breakthrough happens when you let that shame bring you out. I said, when you let that shame draw you out, you have to, you have, to have a moment where you say, I'm done with this. When you begin to say, I'm, I'm done feeling like this. I'm done pretending I'm somebody else that I'm, I'm really not. I can't. Muster the energy to fake this anymore. And when you come to that revelation, let that shame draw you out and into his presence. Shame can be used for good. The shame happened because you realized what you did. See, watch this. Holy Spirit, help me teach this. The action, the offense against God. You feel shame because you know what you did was wrong. That's a good thing. That means there's still hope for you. 
do you know if you continue along a path? When Ian was a drunk, when Ian was, was, was lost, there came a point where my moral conscience was gone. I didn't feel bad for the things that I, I did wrong anymore. And that's a scary place. So see, the shame that has happened shows there's still hope for you. You still understand that what you did was wrong and it grieves you. So let that shame and that grief draw you out of the dead place, of that dead space. And the only way that's going to happen is through faith. You have to have faith in Jesus. Because he's alive, you and I can live. Right? Look at Proverbs 28 through 13. Look what it says. He who covers his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Adam and Eve tried to cover their shame and their nakedness by themselves with fig leaves. It's better than nothing, but guess what? <laughs> you can probably still see everything. There's that word again, everything. So we try to cover it up. C cover our sins and cover our shortcomings and, and cover our shame with all sorts of things and it's still transparent to God and maybe even others that the issue is still there. It says, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. If you just be honest with God through your daily prayer life and give it to Him, He can set you free. I would also challenge you and invite you to confess those things when God says to another believer that you can trust. Somebody that you know is in relationship with God, somebody that you know would pray for you, somebody that you know is in their word every single day. Because the Bible says, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. It doesn't say in that verse in James, confess your sins to God so that you may be healed. I'm not saying God's not a healer. He's a healer, right? But the brother of Jesus understood something, that confessing something to somebody else, there's power in confessing it to another believer. So God is number one, but he also wants to use other brothers and sisters in Christ to help set you free. Right? And you have to have the faith and you have to have the guts to do that. Let's look at Matthew 23, 27 through 28. And when you have the faith to do that, real shame, it moves us into real repentance. And then what happens when you really repent, when you really grieve, when you're really grieved on what you did? Real repentance moves us into real relationship. You can't have real relationship if you don't first have real repentance. When you have real repentance before God for the things you've done wrong, then real relationship happens. Right? Look at Matthew 23 through 27, or 23, 27 through 28. He's talking to the Pharisees, and guess what the Pharisees don't have? Real relationship. They got real religion. They come to church every Sunday. They might even go to a small group on Wednesday nights. They might even be help serving and ministering. See, they have religion. They come when the church is open, but guess what? They ain't praying behind closed doors. They don't read their word every single day. They don't confess their sins to God and to one another so that they may be healed. They, they had religion. They didn't have relationship. And so look what it says. 
Jesus says, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are like whitewashed tombs. We're talking about the tomb today. Beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones. Walking dead without Christ, without relationship, and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. He even says, he goes on to say that y'all worry about washing the outside of the cup. Because that's what they used to do. They washed the outside of the cup before they drink it. He says, if you'd wash the inside of the cup, it makes the outside of the cup clean. And I feel like culturally, in our world, we're so good at washing the outside of things. We'll get dressed up and fancy on Sunday morning. I, I dress up the outside of my life so that everyone can see that everything's okay. But really, on the inside, I'm a dead man walking. I'm depressed. I'm fearful. I'm anxious. I have all these things that nobody knows about that I'm struggling. And I look fine on the outside. I put on the mask. I drive the fancy car. I maybe have the house. Two and a half kids. You know what? I got, I got the picture perfect profile. My life looks amazing on Facebook. Not a problem in the world. My life looks amazing on Instagram, but if they could only know what I'm really struggling with, and the reason I feel like this is because shame has a grip on my life. I've had people come and tell me and, and Jessica sometimes, it grieves me, it makes me sad. They say, people have said this, you look like you have the most perfect life. What are they talking about? Social media. Now, you have no idea. We are far from perfect. I know somebody who's perfect, but that's not us. And why do we do that? I wonder what kind of Pandora's box we've opened with the appearance of holiness. I may even post scriptures, post scriptures on social media, keep doing that, right? But, if, if I'm doing those things, but on the inside, I, I'm dying, and I'm going to hell, I got to deal with that. I got to take that out, and I got to bring it before God, right? I got I to bring those things before God. We may think we can get by by deceiving everybody else. We can deceive others. We can deceive man. Go on. Keep doing that. Keep, keep doing that. Keep lying to yourself. You can deceive man, but you can't deceive the son of man. The Bible says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Your favorite actor, your favorite athlete, the president, Prime Minister, doesn't matter who you are, who you've deceived, and the thinking that you got the perfect life, it's only going to matter to him. He's the only one we're called to live for and be accountable to. And if you can do that, and if he's proud of you, that's all that matters. 
if he's proud of you, that's all that matters. I love when God, I can feel that, that godly, heavenly father pat on the back. When I'm, when I'm down and out, when I'm miserable, when I'm going through stuff, and I go through stuff, growing a church and being a pastor of a church is, is hard. And you try and build up what God's called you to build up, and you go through, go through things. You see people that you love going through stuff, and God's calling you to minister to them. And, and, and caring for people is the hardest thing that ministry is all about, caring for souls. But when, I, when I'm feeling discouraged and I, I feel that, that godly pat on the God's saying, affirming, I, I'm proud of you. It didn't turn out the way I thought it was. It doesn't look the way I thought it was going to look. But when he does that, something on the inside of me gives me hope to keep running. Somebody in here, you need that hope to keep running. And when that happens, you'll get up and you'll keep running. The devil has a totally different voice. He'll never say, I'm proud of you. He will say, I told you so. If you hear in your head all the time, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so, that is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. God is waiting for you to come out of dead places today. Amen? Look at that next point. So Jesus calls us out of the grave of shame. He was stripped. If you know the, the Bible and... You know what Jesus did on the cross and how that transpired on Good Friday? You know that he was stripped, naked, just as naked as Adam and Eve. Exposed. Think of that, exposed. The Son of God exposed, naked, on a cross. So that the world might be covered. Get that? Covered by his grace, covered by his blood, covered by his mercy. And what brought back into relationship with the Father? Jesus put on our shame so that you and I could be set free. The shame that you experience maybe every day. I hope some of you have been set free from a lot of things. But if you're still battling in this area or this thing that you just can't get past, Jesus adored that shame of your sin on the cross. He adorned that shame so that you and I could have the guts to do the same thing. To have the guts and the faith to trust God again. To trust God to cover our nakedness. To trust God to cover our sins. Trust God to cover our shame. He took our shame to cover us. And think of this, to clothe us in righteousness to clothe us in our sin. We're the opposite of righteous. And through Jesus, through the shame that he took and bore, he can clothe us and cover us. Just as God clothed and covered Adam and Eve. Look at Genesis 3.21. I got some revelation from the scripture this week. It says, And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and Eve. After they hid and he found him. What did he do? He still cared for them. In their sin, he could have done all sorts of things. Was God mad? Wasn't he mad? I don't know his response to 
to Adam was, you've got a lot of work to do now. His response to Eve was, yep, you're going to experience the things you've never experienced before. But what did he do? He saw, I think it broke his heart, he saw that they were no longer God-conscious. They were self-conscious. And he said, they're trying to fix. They're so innocent. They're, they're so naked. And I love them just the way they are. And now they're, 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 they're open. They're, they're, they're exposed like a little child. They don't even know it. And so he properly cared and clothed them. And so as you're sitting here today or watching us online, you, no matter what you think, you don't know it all. And in your know-it-all space, God still sees you as a little child doing life, doing things in your own, your own capacity, your own logic, and there is still grace for you. And God wants you to stop trying to cover up and clothe yourself with your own power, so to speak, and he wants to cover you and clothe you and help you and bless you. Because I know one thing about a father. My two boys, they're growing so fast. And Xander's learning a bunch. And even Bodie. Bro, he, Bodie's going to be one years old on Thursday. Can y'all believe that? Crazy, man. We're blessed. But I know this about being a father. Xander and Bodie can't see what the father sees. So when they get into stuff, they don't understand that they could get hurt. Or if they want to do that, they can't just... I can't just set them free out into the world, right? Because there's a lot of danger. And so some of us, we've gotten so far away from God, you're in the danger zone. And you don't even see how dangerous your life has become, how toxic your life has become because the grave has a grip. Suck the life out of you. There's still hope. God says, come out. Let me lead you out. And I will help you. I will clothe you. I will care for you. Even in our disobedience, God cares for us. Even in Adam and Eve's disobedience, he cared for them. He covered them. Even if you are engulfed in sin today, the blood of Christ can cover you. He's not mad at you. He just wants you to allow the blood to cover you and the grace to cover you. Because no matter what the Father sees, no matter what the Father sees. Look at Isaiah 53, 3 through 5. This is where we draw the truth from that last point that we read, where Jesus was on the cross for our sins. He, he took our shame so we could be set free. Look, it says, He was despised and rejected. This is prophetic scripture from Isaiah. A man of sorrows, antiquated with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and he looked the other way. We looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God for the punishment of his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. Let's say that together. Our sins. We all got him. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. Jesus was stripped of everything and bared it all for the world to prove he's the Son of God, to 
prove he's the Messiah, but also proof to you that he loves you, that he's for you, that he can carry you. When you're not strong enough, he's strong enough. We've got the last point for today. Jesus forgives us and frees us from the shame, empowering us to walk in the light of life. We're free to be who God has called us to be. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. The power of sin that, that kills, steals, and destroys. When Jesus came out of the grave, the promise of the resurrected life, the resurrected Messiah, there is freedom in who God is and what He's done for each and every single person. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. When you've been forgiven by God, when you experience His love, His truth, and His freedom, you'll come running out of that grave. You'll come busting out of that grave. You'll be jumping up and down, hooting and hollering out of that grave when you experience his goodness and mercy and grace. Remember the day I got born again, it was like, like I was a brand new person. The scales took in, taken off my eyes, the earplugs taken out of my ears. It was like I, I, I was spiritually, I was because I was spiritually dead, but now I was spiritually alive. He revived my life. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. When you come from dead to life, you come from darkness to light. I want to read one last scripture. It's actually not on your outline today, but I wanted to give it to you. It comes out of Ephesians. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there to chapter 5, verses 8 through 9. We're talking about coming from dead to life, out of darkness into light, from, from death to freedom, right? For once it says in verse 8, Ephesians 5, Verse 8 and 9. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So he says, so live as people of the light. If he brought you out of darkness, stay in the light. Be the light. Right? Verse 9. For this light within you produces what is good and right and true. If Jesus has set you free from sin, from sorrow, from from guilt, from shame, then stay that way. When he draws you and leads you out of the grave, out of darkness into his magnificent light, then uh, in Ephesians 5 it says, so then live as people of the light. In a roundabout way, God covers us, but we almost have to stay in that naked place, that spiritually naked exposed place before God on a daily basis. You have to spiritually be exposed when you enter into his presence. Come on, somebody. To say, God, here I am, spiritually naked. Here's every, every uh, ounce of fat, right? All, all the hair, all, all the disgusting things that I hide from the world, the sin, the guilt, the shame. Here I am. I come boldly into your presence, the Bible says, because by faith I need your relationship. When he calls you out of darkness into light, be people of the light. And guess what? When his light shines on you, you are going to shine. You'll shine. And that's when you know you got a real on fire believer. They will stand out from the world. Because when the world's walking dead. <laughs> Wait, what would you say? Yeah, yeah. Walking dead, and you've experienced his real presence, 
You're going to stand out. You're going to pray for people. You're going to bless people. You're going to love people. You're going to help people. You're going to listen to people. Not just hear people, listen to them. That's because the Spirit of God has brought you out of darkness into His marvelous light, out of the grave of shame and into the life-giving Spirit, which gives us freedom. Amen. Y'all pray with me today as we close. Holy Spirit, help me. Lord, we, we thank you for today. I thank you for your word, and I, I thank you, Jesus, that you're the Son of God. As we celebrated what you did for us last week on Easter, you don't want that promise to just be available one day a year, one Sunday a year. That promise of eternal life and resurrection power is available every single day. So as we're gathered here today, and you say, Pastor Ian, I'm spiritually dead, man. I got a whole closet full of shame. I got a whole closet full of guilt. I got a whole bunch of things I'm hiding from God. I, I'm really doing religion. I don't have relationship. I don't have a daily relationship with Jesus. If you say that in your mind right now, in your heart of hearts, the Holy Spirit's been dealing with your heart today. I got good news for you. You can come out of your grave. You can come from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. Enjoying your life. So if you say, that's me, I want to I do that. I want to start today. Your, your, your relationship with God, your salvation moment can start today. So if you want to do that, you say, I want to make a decision for Christ. Right now, I want you just to stand up right here in the sanctuary. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you look like. I, if you want to accept Jesus Christ today, I want you to stand up right now to accept Jesus. Jesus says, if you deny me in front of man, I'll deny you in front of my Father and his heavenly hosts. So I want to give you an opportunity. No one's looking at you. We're actually praying for you. Give you a few moments. If you're joining us online and you say, that's me, you could be watching this live. You could be watching this a week from now. I don't know. I don't care. Put something in that. Praise God, there's people standing. If you're watching us online, put something in the chat. Say, hey, I want to accept Jesus. I need, I need him to transform my life. I, you're not just going to change your life. God's going to transform your life. Amen. Lord, I thank you that there's people standing. You may be seated. Thank you so much. I want to go ahead and pray over us and those that stood and maybe those that are accepting Jesus online. I want to leave a song of prayer. It's going to go like this. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We believe in you. We confess that Jesus is Lord of my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and my past. Send your Holy Spirit to lead my life for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Kingdom of God growing by faith. Amen. Man, so awesome. Nowhere else I'd rather be today. Well, we're so glad you guys came and joined us for church, okay? Did you all enjoy it today? You glad you came? Awesome. We're glad you came too. Okay, y'all are officially dismissed. Have a great, safe Sunday. And come back and see us next week, okay? We love you.